You're listening to Temporary Circumstances, and I'm your host, Alina Sowers, a licensed professional counselor in Ohio. And I'm your co-host, Cora Mayfield, also a licensed professional counselor in the state of Ohio. In this podcast, we're going to share some ideas and things that we've learned that aren't too often talked about in mental health, including some taboo topics, if you will, like death and grief, trauma and PTSD, addictions, and others. We will cover some of the worst things imaginable that happen to people around us every single day and how we can help them get through those difficult times. The opinions on this show are ours only and do not reflect any agency that we work for. Thanks for joining us. Today we're going to talk about mental health and the foster care system. Um, I personally don't have a lot of experience in this area, but Olena does. So I'm going to be asking a lot of questions and listening to her experience in working with the foster system. I wanted to start with a quote from a former foster youth that highlights what some of the mental health issues are and, and some of the things that go on in foster. Quote is, I wanted to see my biological mom, but I was not allowed. I remember telling my foster parents that I was sad about it and even considering killing myself. They didn't think I would do it, or maybe they didn't care. All they said was get over it. I did try to kill myself once, and after the incident, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I think that this quote captures some of the issues that children who are in foster care or age out of foster care even experience as it relates to mental health. And so our last episode, we talked about childhood trauma. And when we talk about foster children, those are children that have experienced some kind of trauma. Everybody who enters the foster care system enters it either due to abuse or neglect. Um, That doesn't mean that all of those children will develop traumatic symptoms or post-traumatic stress disorder, but all of them have been through something that was potentially traumatizing for them. So according to the National Conference of State Legislatures, this was an article written in 2019, up to 80% of children in foster care have significant mental health issues. And when we compare that to the general population, the general population, about 18 to 24% of children the same age show significant mental health issues. Um, And as a result of these increased mental health issues, foster youth are also prescribed psychotropic medications. This does tend to happen at a much higher rate than kids who are not in foster care. So personally from working with foster youth in the past, I've seen kids as young as 12 years old take as many as 12 different prescriptions per day. So that is a huge number. You know, to this day, I've worked with few adults who take that many medications. So for a child who is maybe 12 or 13 years old, um, that is quite a large number. And, and then we run into, I think, a whole other set of issues because at some point we start medicating the side effects of certain medications. We just end up with a higher and higher number of them. Um, so I think we could do perhaps a bit of a better job, you know, figuring out what the root cause or the main concern is for the child instead of just prescribing a whole number of medications and then hoping that something works. There's a, I don't know if this is a myth or it's something that's talked about um, that in education and in foster care that a lot of times people just want the kids to be quiet and calm down and so that they over medicate normative developmentally appropriate behaviors 
Is that something that's true of the foster programs and foster system? I think it definitely can be, but of course that varies by child. Um, you know, the over-medication that I have seen uh, probably for the most part has been due to some behavioral issues, but you know, we have to take certain things into account and consider them, such as the developmental level of the child, um, or again, things that they have experienced, such as trauma. So if a child goes into the system with a mental health disorder, we know that medication is one way of treating that, but another way of treating it is with therapy, is with counseling, family counseling, and those kinds of things. The National Resource Center for Youth Development in 2012 reported that children who spend two or more years in the system, on average, many of them have multiple placements. Some report being in as many as 15 homes or more and multiple caseworkers due to turnover. Right. Um, so I think these statistics are pretty significant. Um, most farmer, former foster youth who I personally know um, did spend two years or more in the system. Most of them did have multiple placements. Actually know some people who had as many as 10, 15 homes or more. Um, and that can be due to all kinds of reasons. Um, sometimes perhaps children are moved due to behavioral issues. Um, foster parents could be moving or going through some transitions, things like that. Um, could also be due to workers turnover. The, you know, there could be a new worker who thinks perhaps another placement is better for a particular child. But spending two or more years in the system on average is, if you think about it, a pretty long time. Um, a long time to be you know, without one's family. And then being in as many as 15 homes um, I think if we really think about that, that's pretty hard to imagine if, if you grew up, you know, with your family, with your biological family, um, or even your adoptive family, um, having to move 15 times, and that's potentially having to change schools 15 times, that's potentially having to make new friends 15 times, and so on and so forth. It creates an environment when there's absolutely no consistency in these kids' lives, and it makes it hard to trust that things will be consistent for them when they're adults. Right, absolutely. And then, you know, if we consider that in addition to the fact that there's often a history of complex trauma going on, um, you know, broken family relationships, that all adds to the issue, that all adds to those mental and behavioral health concerns that those children exhibit, you know, in foster care and after foster care as well. Um, so those frequent changes and transitions, those uh, inconsistent relationships and traumatic experiences, as well as inadequate access to mental health services sometimes, and overprescription of psychotropic medications, you know, all of that adds to the big picture, which is that adolescents who are in foster care are 10 times more likely than those who are not to have mental health problems. I think that's huge. We, we have to do something about that. The American Academy of Pediatrics Healthy Foster Care American Initiative identifies mental health and behavioral health as the greatest unmet health need for children and teens in foster care. 
So, you know, just a moment ago, I said that adolescents who are in the foster care system are 10 times more likely than those who are not in the system to have mental health problems. That's a study that was done by Shin in 2005. The same study also found that only about half of the children who are in the foster care system seek and receive mental health services. And that number may also be underrepresented. So as far as the children who enter the foster care system, Casey Family Programs estimate that between half and three-fourths of those children exhibit behavioral concerns that warrant mental health services. We also know that there is a high number of former foster children who have psychiatric disabilities as adults. So over half of foster care alumni had diagnosis compared to 22% of the comparison group. That's according to the National Council on Disability. So about 30% of foster alumni are diagnosed with PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, which is about twice the rate of US combat veterans. So again, really, really significant statistic there. Um, and it makes sense because as we said at the beginning, foster children enter the system because they've been abused or neglected. Still though, I think that statistic is really high. A study from 2009 found that some of the common mental illnesses among foster youth include post-traumatic stress disorder, diagnosed in 60% of sexually abused children and then 42% of physically abused children, and 18% of foster children who had not experienced either type of abuse still had PTSD symptoms possibly because of exposure to domestic or community violence. So after a child is in the foster care system or after a, they either return back to their family or they age out of foster care or they're placed elsewhere for whatever reasons, we still see many negative outcomes um, show up unfortunately and some of those including mental health. So we know that outcomes for youth who age out of foster care, so that means they do not return home, but they, they turn 18 and they're essentially on their own. So for those children um, or adolescents who age out from the foster care system, when they are compared to the general population, we see that they're more likely to have mental health problems. They're less likely to have a high school diploma or to pursue a higher education. Um, in fact, we know that only about 4% of former foster youth ever graduate from college. Um, they're also more likely to have economic hardships, less likely to earn a living wage. Um, they are more likely to become involved with the criminal justice system or to become homeless at some point throughout their life. Um, and then I also want to mention that, you know, something that goes along with being homeless in the criminal justice system is also sex trafficking. And we know that former foster children are um, targeted when it comes to sex trafficking quite often because they don't have those family connections and because quite often they are homeless. So it sounds like these kids come from a pretty terrible situation and go into a slightly better situation and then potentially could go right back into a terrible situation. So what can we do, not just as the therapy community, but just as the community at large to make things better? So I think there's a number of things that we can do better as, you know, as just individuals. One thing that we can always do, if we know a foster kid or even a former foster youth, if we are able to 
be someone for them who is a stable relationship, who is a permanent connection for them. Um, and perhaps we can offer help however we can. This doesn't necessarily mean, you know, anything financial um, or housing wise or anything like that, because there are so many things that children who are in foster care or age out of foster care that they don't get to experience like other kids do. Um, so there's a lot of things that unfortunately they don't know, you know, for example, when you get ready to go to college, you have to fill out FAFSA. Um, most of us have parents helping us with that. As a former foster youth myself, I didn't have help with that. It's very difficult to try to figure that out. It's very difficult to try to go through pages of that. Um, so just having an adult, someone who is supportive, who can help you with simple things like that, or even things like voting, or maybe even being a reference for a kid on their resume or for a job. It could be the small things. It doesn't have to be huge. But being a permanent connection in this kid's life can really take them a long way. You know, as we said earlier, 15 different placements, as many as 15 different placements. So out of those 15 different placements, unfortunately, I don't imagine that those children receive many permanent connections, if any, because they've just been moved around. So they may not even have a single person in their life who's truly supportive, who's truly behind them or advocating for them. So again, it can be something that seems really small to you that can go a long way. Another thing that I think we can do better is we can include our youth voice. We can really listen to our foster kids. We can listen, listen to what their needs are, um, to what their concerns and issues are, and we can take that in to make the system better. And that's really important. You know, one saying that we have as, as former youth who were in foster care is nothing about us without us. And that's because we don't want you to make decisions for us without including us. Um, we want you to take that youth voice and we want you to take it seriously because these are very serious issues that we're talking about. Um, we're, we're talking about our kids who are potentially aging out into homelessness and sex trafficking. So if we can do a little bit better by listening, that can go a long way. Another thing that I think, uh, and, and this is more so on, on behalf of the child welfare system, and I do think this has improved over time, but one thing we need to be really mindful of is keeping siblings together as much as we can. And if for some reason we do have to separate siblings, which does happen, hopefully we can at least allow them to continue with those connections. So whether that means being able to see their siblings in person or being able to talk to them on the phone, things like that, that is extremely important. You know, we, we talked about trauma earlier and uh, some of these children have been through some really horrific things and their siblings may be the only ones who really know or understand what they've been through. And to have to separate them from that can be another traumatic experience. Now, as far as mental health professionals, um, I think perhaps we can do a little bit of a better job in identifying youth who need mental health services and doing so as early as possible. So perhaps, you know, even as soon as children enter the foster care system, they should be screened. Um, and, and certainly they should be screened if they're saying things like, hey, I'm feeling depressed or hey, I'm feeling anxious or hey, I'm feeling suicidal, like the person from our quote from the very beginning. 
Um, we definitely want to take that seriously and at least have them assessed, if not placed into some kind of mental health services. And, and I think another thing we can do better is just in helping connect our kids, our kids who leave the system, helping connect them with further services. And I'm not talking about just mental health services. I'm, I'm really talking about, you know, medical services and housing and things like that as well. But as far as mental illness, you know, that doesn't stop just, just because someone turns 18 or ages out of foster care. They still need help. And I think sometimes we think, hey, this kid is 18 now, so they're good. They, they can take care of themselves, right? Um, they're on their own. But unfortunately, that's not really true. And if you think of your biological children, they don't stop needing help or support at the age of 18. So why would we think that foster youth do? One thing I thought of is we talked earlier in the episode about the amount of medication that these kids can be on. And if they turn 18 with absolutely no resources, no idea how to go back to their doctor, no idea how to get a new doctor, and no idea how to get their own medication, they may just end medication. And that can be extremely dangerous with some of these psychotropic meds. Yes, absolutely. And, and in fact, that does happen and, and quite often. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of times our kids who age out of the system, they end up going back to their biological families as well because they have no other options. So now they're potentially back, you know, in the same traumatic situation, but now they also don't have access to services that they did while they were in foster care. I think we as a society need to do a better job at helping our kids find those resources and helping them access them. You know, one resource um, that many foster kids or aging out foster kids don't know about is the fact that everybody who aged out of foster care gets Medicaid until the age of 26. So you are automatically qualified for Medicaid at that point. Again, we have to consider additional challenges because, you know, sometimes things like getting your Medicaid card requires going to the Medicaid office or providing them some additional paperwork. Um, a foster kid may not know how to even find that paperwork. Um, they may not have a car to get to that Medicaid office. And again, they may not even know that they qualify for Medicaid. Or um, not have a permanent address to have that information sent to. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think we really need to do a, a better job at providing those resources, and if we don't know, then helping our kids find out the answers. There are answers out there. It may, be, it may be a little bit more difficult to find, but we as adults are probably better prepared and know how to do so better than our kids who are just leaving the system and, and perhaps don't even have anywhere to go. So are there organizations or people who are available to these kids to help advocate not just for the kids aging out, but for the kids who are in foster care. Yeah, so there, there are a couple organizations and the, the big one that's probably uh, the most well-known one is CASA um, and they have Guardian at Lightum volunteers. Um, so this organization volunteers on, on behalf of abused and neglected children. Typically, they only take the most severe cases 
they get their cases from children's services. And then the volunteers are really there to speak on behalf of what's in the best interest of the child. And they do so in court. So they will actually go out and investigate and they will meet with the families and the foster families and they will speak with the caseworkers and they will speak with the child. Um, and, they, and they try to speak on behalf of what's best for the child. Here in Ohio, we have Action Ohio, which is a group of volunteers who are dedicated to advocating for best outcomes for current and former foster youth. The Casey Family Programs, I mentioned them earlier. They're another great program that, that does a lot of things for current and former foster youth. And then the Ohio Child Welfare Training Program. These are individuals who train foster parents and caseworkers they do a really great job at including current and for former foster youth voices in their trainings. And so what we do is we bring in input um, from our personal experience in the foster care system, and we try to bring that to foster parents and caseworkers. Um, so, so there are a few out there, and like we said earlier, sometimes you have to look for those things, but there are resources and there is help out there. Thanks for listening to Temporary Circumstances. Leave us a review wherever you found us and comment on anything you want to hear more about or have questions on.